This is a recording from a sermon from Light Church in San Diego, California. For more information, please visit lightsandiego.com. Well, hello. If you haven't heard a woman preach before, welcome. It's about to go down. <laughs> um, am I loud? I feel a little bit loud. That's okay. Um, Benji and my differences are when he teaches, he normally teaches from one passage of scripture and is really um, deep and theological. And I'm more of like, I always mess up the word, but I'm going to try a charcuterie. (laughs) Any of you that don't know what that is, it's like all the bread and the cheese and the meat and the fruit. And it's just, it it can be whatever you want it to be. Just a smorgasbord. So it's a, you know, we're going to be kind of um, not doing Sermon on the Mount tonight. We're going to be doing a few different passages and scriptures. And um, I was thinking about today, it being Mother's Day, and there's a few things that came um, to mind. And this message is kind of coming on, you know, being the first message that I would preach at Light Church. And three things that would be really important to me. Say I walk out and get hit by a car. These would be like the things that are super important to me. You guys are like, oh, no, I'll be fine. <laughs> if something happens, I'm in a better place. Bless the Lord. Um, <laughs> but I was also thinking about combo with Mother's Day. And, um, you know, one of the seasons of my life that I was kind of thinking back on is when I first went to college, um, my parents were stationed in Guam. Did you go Guam? Anybody live there? Yeah. Didn't really know it existed till I lived there. It was amazing, actually. Um, stationed in Guam, and then my dad was actually sent to Iraq. So my family's in Guam. That was basically home. And then sent to Iraq. And I remember being in college, and I kind of had this moment. You know, I really miss my family, you know, even though they were in two separate locations at the time. But I was, like, kind of had this feeling. You know, I was in East L.A. I was doing, you know, um, ministry that I really felt, like, was impacting people's lives and was kind of just this amazing um, thing. But I had that moment of like, oh, I really miss my mom. I just want to go have good food again, you know, like that moment. Anybody? Yeah, miss your mom's food. Um, so, you know, I, I was actually praying one night, and I was like, man, like what is this? What is this stirring? And he said, you know, as, as you miss them, be a mom to those without, be a sister to those without. And I just got on mission because I just, I had, you know, at, at, in my adulthood, I had lived away from my mom for about, a, my parents, about 11 years. And in that time, the Lord just started to grow this mission, be a mom to those without, be a sister to those without. And so, you know, the first opportunity that came up to me was there was a, um, is actually Roland Heights High School um, Lamaz program. <laughs> and I was a Lamaz coach for high school girls from age 13 to 17. And I would help them with breathing exercises. And I was able to be in their 
labor and delivery rooms and helping them have their babies. I promise this is going somewhere. Um, and so, you know, there was girls so young, 13, 14, and I was able to um, be a part of their lives and their story in a really tangible way to live out that thing that I felt like the Lord showed me, be a mom to those without, be a sister to those without. And, uh, and it was pretty amazing. So there was a girl that actually I ended up being partnered up with at one point, and um, she was 17 years old, and I was like, oh, my goodness, you're so old. <laughs> um, it was actually very old for the age that I was used to helping out. And uh, she was like, well, I'm having my third child. And I was like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. Um, kind of amazing. But the beginning, it ended up being very incredible part of the Lord really fulfilling that. Um, thing that I felt called to. Instead of just being really sad with what I didn't have, he gave me a mission of what I could be to somebody else. Um, and, you know, in the beginning of Benji's and my dating relationship, so Benji, the person that was standing right here, I'm married to him. Um, <laughs> uh, we were dating, and, you know, like we were supposed to... At, go down for Mother's Day to go see his family. And I was like, oh, I hope they like me. You know, you're like so nervous, the in-law situation. They're like the most gracious people in the world, but I just didn't know that at the time. I just was really scared. And um, so we're going to go. And I wake up that morning, Mother's Day, 2005. We go way back. Um, and I have 43 missed calls. I'm like, what in the world? Who is heading up my phone? And I can sleep through anything, so it makes sense that it took 43 to wake me up. Um, but I was waiting for a laugh. That's why there's a pause. <laughs> but it was one of the girls. It was Diana. Diana, And I'm not going to say, you know. So it was Diana. So I go to help her have her baby. And I'm, like, getting over there, you know, hopping around and, um, you know, doing the breathing exercises. I'm, like, okay, how do people do this? Like, it's, just, it's incredible, that whole process in and of itself of people having babies. Like, I've had four, and I still am, like, how do people do that? I still don't understand. It doesn't make sense. Um, so I'm helping and then Benji's like, I have some Starbucks. Oh, sorry, that was a really high voice for you, Benji. <laughs> I have some Starbucks. <laughs> no, he's kind of a mid-range. I think I probably do have a deeper voice than my husband. He's like, I got some Star. I got. I can't really do his voice. Okay, does anybody want to try? <laughs> I got some Starbucks for you. I don't know why I have a little bit of an accent. Um, so I come out to have the Starbucks, and he's like, Here you go. And I'm like, <laughs> Again, high voice. Sorry, Benji. Where are you? really apologize. Here you go. So I take the Starbucks, and we're talking. Da, 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 da. And he gives me a little peck, like a kiss. like a, It was our first kiss, and it was like so, it was so holy, like greet each other with the holy kiss. Like it was literally like, dink. and he's like, I'm so sorry. Is it okay? And I was like, that's okay. And uh, so Mother's Day, that's another one of the things that I think about. But I, when I went back in to be with that mama, She's just in so much pain, and I'm just beaming, like, from ear to ear, just like, ah, like, so stoked on life, and she's just, I was not being the empathetic, 
you know, person that I probably should have been in that moment. Um, yeah, all that to say, Mother's Day. Those are some of the things that come to mind, as well as delivering four deliveries, but I'll save you those stories for if you want to talk after. Um, so with this, there was three things that kind of just came to my mind that I wanted to talk about. And I think this is um, something that could go to every single person in this room. Stay, pray, and slay. And if you go, oh, slay is like a modernized word for a woman. and I'm like, slay? That's like the most manly word there could possibly be. So, you know, you, th- there's something for you too tonight, men. Amen? Um, so stay in Jesus. The first verse, remain in me and I will remain in you. For apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 4. And now the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. This would be my thing. Like you will probably hear me say that. If you come to this church and you're like, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. That is it. Remain in the Lord. Um, I love this list of the fruit of the Spirit because I think that I would be like, you know, I'd have moments where I'd be like, Lord, give me more, you know, what's a, what's a word on there that I struggle with? Ooh, patience. Lord, give me more patience. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Frank. Um, so, as I said, charcuterie. Um, we're all over the place. But Benji likes to put his stuff up here. I like to put them on paper so you can go, oh, there's going to be an end to this at some point. <laughs> right? A road map. Like, we're going to get there. It's going to be. But, and you can also have the scripture references because I do go a little bit all over the place. Okay? Um, but I love this because the fruit of the Spirit, it, it means it's the fruit of remaining. Remain in me and I will remain, from, remain in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The fruit of hanging out with the Lord is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. I can tell in my life, in my day, in how I interact with my husband, my kids, my friends, with how I've been spending my time. If I've been spending time with the Lord, my fuse, like, actually grows. Like, Benji's like, oh, Jen, you want to go to a coffee shop by yourself for a little bit? You know, that's like... Honey, you need to spend some time with the Lord, basically. No, he doesn't tell me that. I tell him to go surfing. I'm like, you're such a better person when you just go out in the water, then you come back. It's great. It's like a new, fresh baptism. Give me the, (laughs) go, go, baptize yourself. (laughs) Um, But spending time with the Lord, these things overflow out of your life. You say, oh, man, how do I get more of that? How do I get more of that? Spend time with the Lord. That would be my greatest exhortation. And stay in the word. There's so much about your identity and who you are and how he's developed you and promises that he has for you 
that we just don't have enough moments to dig into the word and figure out who we are. And it's so rich and it's so beautiful that I would say stay in the word. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Psalm 34, 6. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105. Um, when you flood your mind with the truth, it will be harder for your mind to remember the lies and vice versa. It's very interesting about my childhood and my upbringing because if you would look on it from the outside, you would see probably like, oh, that's a very, um, what's that word? I got no roots in my, uh, you know that song? Um, inconsistent and probably not grounded and probably not the breeding ground for somebody to have a vibrant and healthy life. My, my dad, again, was in the military I don't know if that's the word, that, not the military one, the one before. Um, my dad was in the military. I was in 49, I went to 49 different states with my family. We were stationed in Guam and Korea, and we moved every year, year and a half. We just were constantly in a state of like, you just box it all up and you go. And so my family, like my home, so when I remember my childhood home, it's in so many different forms and places and locations and things. Um, and we constantly were going. But the consistent thing was the word of God. The consistent thing was our identity in Christ and our identity in our family. That I look at that and I look at my upbringing and I look at my childhood and I'm, I'm like, everybody should have that, you know? Where I go like, man, people go, oh, are you jacked up from that childhood? And I'm like, man, I think because I had a solid, um, constant inflow of the word of God and consistency in Christ, that I was stable in what would look like a very unstable atmosphere to be raised in. I remember my mom... Um, you know, I remember in third grade, both of my mom's parents passed away. And my mom was like, okay, dad's stationed in Korea. I need to do this with him. Let's move to Korea. And we're going to live in this high-rise apartment. And we're going to sleep on futons. And we're just going to move there and go. And so we just moved to Korea. And um, it was just so crazy. But it was so beautiful because... I felt so secure in the Lord. And I think that is one of the things that has really flown in, you know, been sown in and through my life has been the consistency of the word of God and, and the word of God being an anchor in my life that no matter what would come, you know, the Lord was my anchor. And I actually, I was thinking about all the different places we lived. And then I was also thinking, Wow, we've been through almost every natural disaster. I was thinking about the volcanoes that are happening and um, haven't been through there. That 
But Benji said he wanted to go to Hawaii, so maybe, you know, we'll experience that one. Um, we've been through a few super typhoons, typhoon, um, seven tornadoes, um, Hurricane Aniki, um, what else? A flood, a blizzard, minor, minor earthquakes in California, nothing major. Um, but it was so crazy because I'm thinking about just the inconsistency of like my childhood and my life and also every natural disaster that could have possibly put us in these crazy different scenarios. My family went through literally and uh, we were so strong and um, it was the word of God. And then you even, you see the time frames that we experienced these heavy things you know, the foundation that they laid before us carried us through future things that we would experience. I think about all the questions that we have for the Lord. I think about, you know, you know, and your phrase could be any other phrase, but I think about some of the things that we can say, you know, to the Lord. I'm lost. I look to the hills from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. I'm lost. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, I think of, I'm tired. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They will rise on wings of eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. How do I love, Lord? How do I love? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Anchoring words. I had an anchoring word in that season that I was walking through heavy loss, and I, um, I remember the Lord showing me. I, in that season, I was like, it's actually the place that Light Church was birthed out of. Um, I was in a low, low, and um, I was like, Lord, like I'm in a really thick fog. I think that I could probably actually fall into a lot of temptation in this season and I'm really struggling I need you to keep me going through this because I can't see I can't I can't see that I'm actually going to get out of this fog unless you have something for me and the Lord gave me this passage of scripture that kept me um I won't go into it because that's a whole two-hour sermon we'll go into that another time when you have two hours. Um, but at the very end, it was like, I, uh, in Zechariah, I am the one who makes my people strong. You will worship and obey me. I, the Lord, have spoken. And I felt the Lord really whisper to me, Jen, in this season, by faith, if it takes faith for you to wake up and brush your teeth, if it takes faith for you to get out of bed, if it takes faith, 
have the faith and know that I'm going to be the one that makes you strong and continue to worship and obey me. If you start disobeying me in this space, you're actually going to destroy everything that you love. So let's just keep staying in this place where every day, whether you depend on me for the next five minutes, let's just stay there. And man, that kept me. I was like so lost and the Lord just like gave me my North Star and for me to be able to actually walk through that and come out of that fog three years later and to look back and go, whoa, I didn't destroy everything that I love. How grateful I am for the word and for how it anchors my life. Pray faithfully. Um, I'm going to play these next few videos of my nine-and-a-half-year-old daughter, who at this point was three-and-a-half. Please help him not be me. Please make him bury me. I want him. He's up. Thank you. He said I could have you. Thank you, Lord. Dinner and please... best i know it's my child but like oh my word pray with your kids because look i'm like man um she we would laugh so hard because if we would have her pray we'd just be like lord have mercy this steak's gonna be cold she would go for like four or five minutes and we'd just be like yes lord yes lord and then we'd think about it and we're like Man, what was she praying for? <laughs> I'm praying for something that you could do, that you could do something. I'm like, I get that. Anybody? Like, I don't even know what to pray, but I pray that you would do something. <laughs> do something. <laughs> pray faithfully. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Romans 12, 12. And then I love this verse, Romans 8, 34. Jesus intercedes on our behalf. Um, I just, I think that's so incredible because I'm like, when you don't have the words to say, when you don't know what to do, Jesus actually sits on the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us. It's like, Lord, do something that you can do, do it. And he's like, got it. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Man, anybody, somebody, Nikita, she, she, she liked that one. Did she? I don't know. Where are you? She's back from Switzerland. So thank you for. <laughs> um, so, you know, and then one of the things that, like, just has become a normal part of my life, and I just pray that you would welcome it into your lives with prayer. I've heard so many people say, I don't have time to just, like, sit and go pray, and I'm like, me neither. 
Like, who has time? But literally, I welcome the Lord into every moment. The kids know that I'm like, Lord Jesus, I pray. You know, a man today, literally today, cuts me off and is like, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? I have all these humans. Like, I'm about to, like, road rage girl is about to come up. Because, you know, I tell Benji, like, I'm passionate. So that comes out in different forms, you know. Sometimes it's a little angry, you know. So he passes me, and I'm just like, ah. And then I'm just like, hey, guys, you know, like, he's probably had a really rough day. And, you know, or he's, I don't know, there's something wrong. Like, maybe he has a stick stuck in his leg or something. Let's just pray for him. And so they'll be, like, going for it. Just, Lord, we pray for that man. If there's a stick in his shoe, just would you just free him from the affliction? Um. But just, we just weave in prayer throughout our day. And I remember this one morning, I remember preparing for worship. And I was like, I'm going to be leading worship. And I got this newborn, and I'm, like, trying to figure it out. And I don't even, I have mommy mushy brain, which is actually a thing. I don't know if it's actually a thing, but I think it is. They take all your DHA, and then you go, where's my brain? It's in that tiny human. <laughs> um but I'm getting prepared, and I'm just like, oh, what's happening? I need to prepare, but, like, my child's screaming. And I'm changing her diaper. And I think it was Vienna at that time. I'm changing her diaper, and I felt like the Lord was like, this is your, pre- your preparation for worship. This is your getting ready for that. And I just was like, because I was like, I need to have my space and my Bible and my prayer and it needs to be un, you know, I got to get my beats on, you know. And it was like this very clear message, this is your worship. So if we start looking at the ordinary things in our lives and in our days as the ordinary things that everything you do, whether in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord Jesus. I think that's how that one goes. It might end. There might be more. Um, but everything can turn into this thing that you can give to the Lord. Changing a diaper. Which I've changed a lot. Um, Tears. I love this. Tears are liquid prayers. Um, This verse, uh, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears and put them in a bottle. Psalm 56.8. Um, one of the gifts that we're going to be giving in the back are um, these little bottles. And they're going to represent that, that verse of the Lord has seen every tear that you have ever shed. And he has counted them. And they are precious to him. And I was thinking about this and I'm like, man, I could fill this thing up in like half a cry. Like... I'm like, some of you men are like, that's my whole life. <laughs> that's it, right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so funny. Um, yeah, I'm like, this is like, this is like pre-cry. <laughs> this is like, I haven't even, so then I was like, it would be, you know, not very eco-friendly and kind of inappropriate to maybe, <laughs> but I was like, this is more like, this is more like my life, right? And I'm like, 
right? Anybody else? Just a crier, you know? And people say, you're so emotional. So then you try not to be a crier. And then people are talking to you like, be strong. Be strong. Don't let it. That's totally me all the time. Um, but I love that because I'm like, oh, man, the Lord, like, has seen every single tear. He's seen every single moment and part of your story. And he has written it in his book and kept them in a bottle. How cool is that? Um, and then there's this verse, which I probably have talked about before because it's one of my favorite passages of scripture. Luke twenty two forty one. 41. Um, when Jesus is in the garden before he's going to be nailed to the cross and die for the weight of the sins of the world. Jesus in the garden knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. How many have said that? Me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Then an angel of heaven strengthened him. He prayed more fervently. He was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell on the ground like great drops of blood. That passage for me, what changed my life. I just had this picture that Jesus just, cool, got it. Coming to earth, got the thing, tell me what to do, got it. Going to go away, be with the Lord, come back, die on the cross. I'm God and man, so it's, it's just, I got it. And I just almost felt this separation of, like, he can't understand fully, like, because he came and did that but was God. Like, can he really? And this passage for me just took it to a whole different level of Jesus' understanding of our pain and our sorrow. That he came to the point of being, asking the Lord, can you take this suffering away from me? And then... What does he say? But not my will, but yours be done. And I just feel really understood by Jesus in a whole different way. Um, I, I, I just love that. And then I also love the passage that talks about Lazarus. And he's, you know, about to rise him from the dead. And he's, you know, he's... Like his sisters, like what in the world? If he would have been here, da -da -da -da, he wouldn't have died. And then he weeps with them. And I'm like, man, he weeps with them. But he knows he's about to erase him. And I just think about our future hope that we have. You know, there's a, there's a passage in Romans that says your, your current suffering cannot be compared to the future glory that is to be revealed. Like, I'm like, wait. Do you know the suffering that I've experienced? And the Lord has future glory that far outweighs that, that can't even be compared. I can't even imagine the brilliance of what that would be. I can't even imagine that glory if the suffering that I've experienced here has been so heavy. And the Lord wept even with knowing the beautiful joy that he was going to have at the end. Isn't that amazing? I'm going to keep asking questions, and then you can say yes or no. Or <laughs> um, 
he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these thong- things, not thongs, <laughs> so inappropriate. <laughs> At least I'm getting it out on the first sermon, you know, like you can go like, if you come back, it's like, oh, okay, they're really like faithful because, wow. <laughs> All these things are gone forever, Revelation 21.4. So amazing. So he counts and calculates our tears. He knows each and every one of your stories, the pain that you experience. But then he also says, I'm going to wipe away every tear from your eye. There will be no more suffering or pain. And then last but not least, slaying giants, which is so funny because I was like, I got to have slay on there. And then it was so ironic because it was right after the week that Benji talked about turning the other cheek. And then I'm like, slay, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, I love this verse. The battle isn't against flesh and bl- blood, but against principalities of darkness. Ephesians 6.12. And John 10.10 where it says the devil comes to still kill and destroy. But Jesus comes to give life and life abundantly. Um, I love, I love David's story. If you haven't read it, First Samuel 17. Um, I'm going to go into this little part, brief and brilliant. Um, but you know, when they go to do the lineup of like all the sons to pick who's going to be king, they don't even have David, the brother, present. You know, and he's like, ends up being the one that's anointed king. And he has been rejected for some reason, dubbed insignificant, and is out shepherding the flock. And he's out there. And I just think about that and kind of the things that he went over in his mind as he was out there with the sheep. And I think he probably had this very protective nature over the sheep. Like, you're not insignificant, and you are valuable, and you are worth it. And I can see him out there having, like, major pray, pray, stay in pray times where he is just with the Lord, and he is caring for those sheep, and he is just, like, on it, and he is, like, praying, and he's having moments with the Lord. And then, you know, a bear comes along and is like, I'm going to take out your sheep. And he's like, you're not going to take out my sheep. I'm going to take you out. And he manhandles a, she- a bear and a lion with his bare hands. I'm always like, is that passage of scripture, Benji? Can you tell me the Greek? Is that like a teddy bear? Is that like, is that like real? Is that an actual? He's like, that actually means a bear. That was deeper. That actually means a lion, you know. And I'm like, man, and I just think, okay, this guy who's, like, been kind of rejected, he's out there. He's, he's, you know, having moments with the Lord where he's just, you know, crying out to him, but then he's protecting his sheep, and he's, like, killing bears and lions. And I just go, like, man, when the giant came, it was no big deal. Like, he had already been out there battling insignificance, battling rejection, battling bears and lions. <laughs> and so when the, when the giant came in his life, he was like, who are you to dishonor God? Like, 
I could take you out. This little guy. And I'm just like, man, I think that's so powerful because I think in the moments in our lives where we're spending our time praying and staying and remaining and overcoming these things, that there's going to be giants in your life that are just going to be no big deal. Do you know who my God is? Amen? And then slay lies. If you don't know the truth, the lies will dictate and run your life. Um, I always think about this um, with different, with myself, with different people. Um, Once you're unlocked, everybody else can be. Get free from those lies, those phrases, those words that you feel have been spoken over you or are just running on in your head. Get free, get alive, get whole. Because the minute that you have that freedom and that wholeness and that truth that's now leading your life and not a lie, then you can help unlock other people from their places that they're stuck and that they're in bondage. And so when you think about yourself and you think about sin actually isolates you, the enemy likes to go, not only do I want you to not be whole, but if you're not whole, you represent all these other people that now cannot be whole. And how sad is that? But we just think, oh, it's just affecting me. No, it's affecting this whole stream of people that need to be free too. And you walking out, becoming whole, becoming more free, becoming alive in Christ, it actually is representing a whole slew of people that are going to have their story of freedom. I love this verse. Oh, no, I got to say this. I got to say this. Okay, so do I have time, Benji? Are we going to be okay for our 8 o'clock service? Just kidding. (laughs) We didn't add that. (laughs) Anybody want to volunteer? Round three. Hallelujah. Um, So when I was in the, I think about this because this is, I actually named Vienna, her middle name, Sophia, after this little girl. But when we were in Guam, when there was a super typhoon, um, we were there and uh, we were using all the, elementary schools as shelters for families that the villages had just been wiped out. And there was this little girl, and I went up to her, and she had fiery red hair, dark skin, and green eyes. And she was like six or seven. And I was like, hi, who are you? And she turns around, and she goes, Sophia Marie Blas Pokaigwe. And just boom. And I was like, I don't even know who I am. I don't even know my identity. I don't even know, like, how does this girl have so much? She just knows who she is. Like, I just was so shook. Like, I was like, who am I? Like, what's, and I just was like, I felt like this, Jen, like, I want you to be like this 
to have this boldness and know how I've created you and what I've created you for. And I remember that boldness in this child. And it actually, like a couple years ago, I was telling this story. And then I was like, wait, Benji, I know her full name. I actually found her on social media. And I had always said her name, but it was pre-social you know, social media age. So it was never, you know, and she was little, so she wouldn't be on. I actually found her this last year. But it was so amazing because I was able to then speak over her life what I saw in her that day and how the Lord had somehow kept her in my memory for 17 years to tell that story about who she was and how God had wired her and how she was going to change the world. And it was such a powerful interaction. And I just was like, wow. And it all started with her inspiring me with how she just knew who she was. And I was like, man, if I knew who I was, these lies couldn't get to me. Like the enemy so easily sneaks in. Here's some of the, here's some of the lies. You can let me know if they resonate. If they don't, you know, like there's good coffee. Um, I'm not enough. That's one of the lies I experience. And then I go to that passage of scripture, you are more than conqueror in Christ Jesus. I'm invisible. Psalm 139, I knit to you together in your mother's womb. Before the foundations of the earth, I knew you. I'm insignificant. What is my life? What does it matter? You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you could just bow your heads right now, I'm going to pray. The first space that I kind of want to go into is you would know this instantly. You would know this instantly. What is the lie that you've been believing? that has been a sentence or a phrase or something that's been um, just keeping you bound to this lie. If you could raise your hands, I'm going to pray over you. Lord, I come before you right now, and I pray for every single person in this space, Lord. Lord, I, I think about the territory that the enemy tries to take when he steals, kills, and destroys, tries to put seeds of lies and doubt and fear and mistrust, Lord, in our heads and in our souls and in our lives, I pray, Lord God, at this moment, whatever that lie is, whatever that statement is, 
whatever has been on repeat in the brain. Lord, I pray that it would be laid down at your feet right now. Lord, and I pray that you would begin to replace those spaces, Lord, with the truth. Lord, with the hope. Lord, I pray that you would begin to replace those places with you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Lord, I pray that each person in here, whether they think they were a mistake or whether they think they don't have significance or whether they think, Lord, that it's the end. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do a new thing. Lord, that you would birth hope. Lord, that you would birth faith. Lord, that you would birth trust in the truth of who you are. Lord, I pray that we would crave your word. Lord, I pray that we would crave your presence. Lord, I pray that we would crave who you are, Lord God, and that you would begin to replace those tapes of lies that have played over in our minds. And now I just want to pray for you. Um, you know, you just may think, well, this is the normal Mother's Day situation, kind of like, you know, what's going on? Um, but I know that this day is a day that can be rough for so many people. It's rough. I mean, my sister just buried her seven-year-old daughter. Um, my if family and friends that are battling infertility and, you know, have gone through miscarriages and have wounds with their mother or maybe their mother's past. And so if there's something, and there's probably categories that I have missed and not spoken, um, but if there's something that is, or maybe you think you're a mom, but you're just not good enough, um, if you would just raise your hand, I'm just going to pray over all those spaces 